with another. It's a place in a time where we can, uh, it provides growth uh, um, and provides encouragement and um, it provides um, uh, an, even an avenue for socialization um, and just a time to gather. I think that's one of the reasons that, that the local church was established. I was uh, watching the news the other day, and I don't know how you know, the government comes up with all these ideas, but they want to have a task force now to, um, to deal with the issue in America of loneliness. So apparently that's a big issue, loneliness. Now, loneliness is an issue with people. I think you, you understand that. There are people who experience life and they're very lonely, and they look for companionship. Um, but one of the blessings of the local church is, and, and the gathering of the local church is to deal with loneliness. It's so you have companionship. And um, what a blessing that is. We should never, never take that um, for granted. So on your handout, under introduction, a couple of verses here as we get into this. So number one, the Bible says in, in John chapter 3, 19, and this is the condemnation, that light is come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. But then Jesus says in John 8, 12, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world, and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. And then in John 15, 19, If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So I have these verses here on the handout just to remind us that the world that we live in is a dark world. Uh, the world that we uh, walk through is a dark world, but we're the children of light. And because we're the children of light, there is a, there's, there's an aspect of confrontation that we experience as we deal with um, our lives here. And um, Jesus reminds us of that. And so we have to deal with that. And, and so the idea of fellowshipping one with another is such that that provides a way for us to deal with the fact that as children of light, we walk in a dark world. Uh, and we, we experience that throughout the week. We experience that whether at, sometimes at work or socializing or whatever we're doing. So the church, the local church, one of the reasons it's been established is to provide that fellowship so that people can, ha can spend quality time with other believers for growth and stability in their lives. And so that brings us here to the first point on the handout. So uh, faith, a faith that is stabilized, a faith that is stabilized. And part of that is because the subpoint of there's a continuance factor. So look again in our text. Look at verse 41. So then they that gladly received his word were baptized. So let me just stop there for a minute. So we're reminded of, first in the early church, it were it were predominantly Jewish people who uh, came to know Christ as their Savior. So that was a, a radical decision on their part. They would be separated from uh, their family members and friends who did not receive Christ as their Savior. So they're dealing with an element of being uh, sometimes ostracized and, and, and 
divided up from all that they knew and all who they, who they had lived with. And so that's, a, that's a, a difficult to deal with. Um, 3,000 people came to know Christ as their Savior that day. But they had to grow and, and they had to be stabilized in their faith. And so verse 42 reminds us of that. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and there's the word we're zeroing in on today, and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So there's a continuity to it, and that was the whole purpose of it, to, to come to know Christ as your Savior, but then to grow in the faith. And that is what and why we fellowship, uh, not only or, an organized fellowship like church or Bible study, but also as we um, interact with one another. So on your handout, a well-known verse, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25, the Bible says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. So this isn't, I don't, I don't think that this is only applying to gathering together as a body of believers to worship. I just think it's on a regular basis that we gather together and enjoy one another's fellowship. So I put down, and maybe you can think of some other things, but on your handout, I have here some reasons why uh, the Apostle Paul would have written this, why he was encouraging them to gather or Jesus would say this, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Um, and, and the breaking of bread and, and um, the, the time of prayer together. So, like for instance, uh, next, I guess it would be this Saturday coming up, we have a sign-up sheet in the foyer for our men and young men's prayer meeting. And it's not just a time to pray, but it'll be a time of fellowship. We'll have breakfast together, we'll eat, we'll talk. And, uh, and then we'll, we'll have a time of prayer. Um, that's all part of it. Today we're having it at uh, Ethan's house. He's having a gathering. It's, it's a time of fellowship. It's a time to enjoy one of his company. Uh, and then we'll have the spiritual aspect of it as well. But as far as why did, why did he have to encourage them to assemble? So a couple of things. So number one. There have been some who did not assemble because they were afraid of persecution. There are people today in the world that live in certain places where they're afraid to, to gather or they're afraid to worship because they could be persecuted <coughs> for their, their desire to get together and to fellowship. It's kind of mind-boggling to us, but there are places in the world that some people, they, they have to gather in secret uh, to fellowship and to, to worship together. But I think Paul would have wrote this, encouraging them this not forsaking of ourselves because of that, because of persecution. Some may have neglected the duty because they felt they didn't need to or there was no interest in it. Let me ask you this. Uh, so when we think about believers, um, uh, what in the Bible, what... Um, what group of animals does the Bible compare believers to? What are we likened to, I guess is what I'm saying. Huh? Sheep. Sheep. So when you think of sheep, um, you think of 
a flock of sheep. They stay together. Uh, there's many, many instances in the Bible where the Bible talks about Jesus being the shepherd and that you and I, we are the sheep. And I don't know a lot about sheep, but I, I know this, that if, if when sheep get away from the flock, they become nervous. They become uh, uh, kind of like uptight. They'll begin to, begin to become uh, a little bit disoriented. And uh, that's why, of course, Jesus uh, used the example in the Bible, the parable of the shepherd leaving the flock and going to find the one sheep and bringing the sheep back. Because sheep are animals that are most comfortable when they're together and when they're in a flock. Maybe they feel protection. They're very vulnerable animals. And um, so it's not only to remind us that, we're, that Jesus is the shepherd and we're the sheep. It's to remind us that as believers, there is a certain security and comfort in that. Because outside of the flock, there was danger. There was, there, you know, wolves and, and animals and thieves. So the whole idea of, of gathering together in different ways, it, it's, it's meant to stabilize our faith, not just in the teaching and the preaching of the word, but just in gathering together as believers. And, or, or it may have been, if you notice on your handout, it may have been that some have neglected it because... Uh, they were dissatisfied. Somebody wrote this. It may perhaps have been that some may have neglected the assembling, uh, for which cause they now sometimes operate from a dissatisfaction with a preacher or with some member or members of the church. Whatever the reasons, the apostle says that they should not be allowed to operate, but the Christians should regard it as a sacred duty to meet together for the worship of God. You know, sometimes I meet people who at one time went to church and they, they'll say that something like this. Well, I used to go to such and such church, but I don't go any longer. Uh, I don't go to church anywhere because this happened to me at that church. And so my thought is, okay, well, maybe it did. Well, why don't then you attend another church? Right? I mean, we're commanded. So if, if, if it's not working out for you at this particular assembly, then... Why have you completely stopped and you don't, go to, you don't go to services anywhere? Well, then why not go to another assembly that's preaching the truth where you can be fed the word of God? Do you understand the point that's there? There's something, there's something that's missing there. That, you know, if you're looking for an excuse, for instance, not to assemble, it's like anything in life. If you're looking for an excuse not to do anything, you can usually find an excuse not to do it. Right? So it's the same thing with, with, well, I don't go to church any longer because this has happened or because this has happened or, or th they did this at that church. Okay, well, uh, actually, I was having a discussion kind of like this with my, with my brother. There's, uh, apparently, there's a, uh, you know, he lives, on a, he lives on a key. It's like an island. So there's not a lot there. It's only about 800 people. But there's a couple of churches, and you can get off the key, and within a half an hour, I mean, this is Florida, within a half an hour, you could probably go to five Baptist churches. So, but he had a bad experience, I guess, and, and I thought, well, there's, go somewhere else. Go, go, go attend somewhere else. Um, you know, no, no one particular church has a, a corner on, you know, there is no perfect church, right? Right. Uh, 
So find a church where you can go and you can worship and you can grow. But don't say, well, I don't go to church because the preacher did this. All right, we'll go somewhere else. But a lot of people, they don't. So that tells me something. There's something going on in their heart. And um, because the reality is, as believers, we're commanded to assemble. Amen? And I get it. Sometimes people get out of church. We have it here. And they don't go for a while. And then they get back into church. Well, good. Praise the Lord for that. Amen? Uh, so, you know, I know things happen in people's lives. And, and they, they got to work these things out. And God knows. Um, but the, it, we, we just need to remember as far as our faith goes, it's the assembling, whether it's the teaching and preaching or whether it's the fellowship. All of that is meant to stabilize our faith because we live in a very unstable world. If you haven't noticed that, you probably have noticed that we live in a, a very unstable world. There's so many things that are going on. So don't take that for granted, the stabilization of our faith. And that's our, really, it is our, it's our, as one writer said, our sacred duty to meet together for the worship of God. I listened to an audio book for the first time in my life on my trip to Florida. I'm not, I've never listened to an audio book before. And, uh, you know, I listened to a, an audio book that, that Ethan gave me on spiritual warfare. And... Um, I did a lot of reading. When, it's, when the heat index is 110 or 115 degrees, uh, and I'm an outdoor person. I, you know, I love to be outdoors. I, I don't like to be indoors. Even in the winter, I'm outdoors as much as I can. But when it's that hot, I just, just, I just couldn't. I, I forced myself sometimes to stay out in the heat. But I just couldn't stay out. And it's so hot, it's just like you feel like you're just going to melt. So I, so I listened to this book, and... Uh, I like one of the points that the author of the book made. He said, he said this, never forget that when the, when the body assembles, that uh, you're standing in the, you're on holy ground. And uh, because we've been commanded to come and we've been commanded to, to meet. When I was in Israel, we were on Mount, uh, we were at Shiloh. And uh, that's where the first tabernacle, uh, the first capital of Israel the coolest thing for me to be on uh, at Shiloh and to stand on that mountaintop, uh, you talk about holy ground. And there's so much in Israel that you can go to and see. But when you stand on top of that mountain, and there's not much there now, just three or four excavating sites, they're looking for artifacts. You know that for 300 and I think it was 66 years, the tabernacle of God rested on top of that mountain. And there in the tabernacle would have been the Holy of Holies, would have been the mercy seat, uh, would have been where the Shekinah glory of God came down, where the sacrifices, the, the lambs were sacrificed, where the scapegoat would have been sent out, where the people would have brought their sacrifices for the brazen altar, where the priests would have went in and washed their hands in the water label and got into the into the holies, and then the high priest in all of his garments uh, would have gone into the holy of holies, and, and there the very presence of God was. Holy ground. Well, when we gather together as a body, this is, ho this is holy ground. Uh, this is a place where we come. Not, not, there's nothing holy about the buildings per se, or the, the, the chairs, or the, 
It's just where we've assembled. You follow what I'm saying? It's where God come as a group. God is meeting with us. And, um, and again, it's meant to stabilize our faith. The, the, the example in the Old Temple, the Old Testament, the temple or the tabernacle and the temple and all the, the law and, and all that was given was all meant to stabilize the Jewish people's faith in the one true living God. And so we talk about real fellowship and we talk about here the early church where they continued steadfastly in the, the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. It was meant to stabilize their faith. Uh, they continued in that, it said. And the truth, if you notice on, on, on the back of your handout, the, the idea of doctrine. So doctrine are the things that are right. You know, the scriptures say, for instance, in uh, well, 1 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction and for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. So the scriptures are given to us uh, for, that, for doctrine to grow in the faith. The things that are right, that's what doctrine is. And for reproof, the things that are wrong, that's what, that's what the scriptures teach. For things that are right, for things that are wrong, uh, to, how to get things right, and then how to keep things right, the stabilization of our faith. And so that's what they did in the early church. That's, that's, and that's what the church is all about. That's what fellowship is all about. John 8.31 on your handout. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And fellowshipping together, the idea whether formally or informally, it's meant to encourage us to continue in the word of God and in the things of God. 2 Timothy 3.14 But continue thou, there is again that word continue, continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. Continue, continue. We stay in the word. Now I know it can still happen and it does happen with people, but I would venture to say this is just a, a, a guess, but when people fall out of fellowshipping with other believers or fall out of fellowshipping, organized or informally, I would tend to say they probably begin to, to uh, fall away from being in the scriptures on a regular basis. Wouldn't you think that would be true? Right? And uh, because... There's just not a lot of encouragement. And I think probably people would start out. I know there are people, though. I mean, um, to the best of my knowledge, my brother attends very little organizing. He watches on television. We, my, my sister-in-law and I watched um, the service from Cedar Key last week, and uh, I was glad that she watched because she comes from a very orthodox type of background. I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that she's born again. Um, she comes originally from Catholicism and then uh, like then into um, like Greek orthodoxy and, and all kinds of things. But I got to talk to her and to witness and to share simple faith in Christ. And we watched the service together and, and she enjoyed listening to Aaron preach and, and, um, and, and, and all of that. 
But if you fall away from fellowship and gathering with other believers or sitting under the preaching, you're probably going to fall away from being in the scriptures. Now, I know that's not always the case. And then sometimes when people get older because of health, they can't go to services. But, but I think by and large, when people fall away, they fall away from a lot more than just assembling. It's hard to continue. Take, if, if you have your Bibles open, go to Acts chapter 17. Look at verse 10. Acts chapter 17 and verse 10. The Bible says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and they searched the scriptures, how often? What does it say? Daily. Whether those things were so. Therefore, many of whom of them believed, also of honorable women, which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. But when the Jews of Thessalonica had knowledge that the word of God was preached of Paul in Berea, or at Berea, they came thither also, and they stirred up the people. So, verse 13 should always remind us this too, that the enemy will do anything that the enemy can to keep us out of the word of God. Anything. Just as there were those here who, who did not want them, the people, they were upset with, with what was going on. And then verse 14, Then immediately the brethren sent Paul to go, as it were, to the sea, but Silas and Timotheus abode there still. They stayed. And they that conducted Paul brought him unto Athens, and receiving a commandment unto Silas and Timotheus, for to come with all speed they departed. So there's always opposition uh, to fellowship. There's always going to be opposition to gathering together. There's always going to be opposition to opening the Word of God and, and being in the Word of God on, on a regular basis. All of this stabilizes, brings stability uh, to our faith. And so fellowship is about that. But then the second point on our handout is this. Fellowship, it sustains us. We're sustained through Christ and Christ's local body, the church. So this word fellowship in verse 42 of chapter 2, it has the idea of a partnership or a sharing or a communion. Or we know in the book of Acts, especially in the beginning, numerous times it uses the word, they were of one accord. They were of one mind. And so that is also the idea of fellowshipping together, being of one accord and of one mind. Fellowship is a God's gift to, like to bind like-minded people together. And it's what sustains us. And we all have our role to play. We all have a part to play in this. In Ephesians 5, it says this, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. And then look what it says. And have no fellowship. So here we see the fellowship, not so much in, in the positive light, but in the negative, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. So we should be conscious of that. You know, a couple of, I think it was a couple of Wednesday nights ago, Ethan was away, and uh, I made a comment that I enjoy watching westerns. And I've always enjoyed watching westerns. I mean, when I, this, you got to be my age to understand this next illustration or older. But when I was a little boy, 
the Roy Rogers show was on TV, and I just loved it. Roy, Trigger, my mom went out. I remember waking up as a little boy one day, and hanging next to my bed was a cowboy hat, I think probably like a vest, uh, a set of six shooters, and um, it's the coolest thing. But I always like I always like westerns. So recently on one of the channels that I get, there was a western that was done, and um, it was a series, and they were showing this series on Sunday nights, and I watched about five, ep four episodes, I think there's 12, and I was watching it, and I'm thinking, after about the third episode, I don't, I don't know if I really want to continue to watch this, because there was just some, there was some underlying subplots so this is, this is one that was just done. And I'm thinking in this, and, and we know historically when people went west, there, you know, people in that time, there was a faith that people had. Um, there was never any mention of it. It was, it was almost like they were trying not to mention it. There was just, a, an, un, there's just an underlying theme of ungodliness in it. And so, after I watched the fourth, fourth episode, I just felt, as much as I, the cinematography was great, there were some storylines that were good in it, but after a while, I just thought, this is really bringing a, an ungodly message. And I just decided, as much as I like Westerns, I just wasn't going to watch it. Now, that's between me and the Lord. I can't be, you know, that's why God gave us the Holy Spirit, amen? You have to decide what's right and what the Lord moves in your heart, and, and I have to decide that also. But for me, that particularly, I just didn't feel right. So we need to be careful with regards to the unfruitful works of darkness, not to have fellowship with them, and to be sensitive to that. I mean, Pastor Ethan preached two weeks ago out of Colossians on certain things that not to be involved with. And so we, we really need to be conscious of that. We need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Because what can happen is when you begin to fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, the unfruitful works of darkness are meant to draw us away from the fruitful works of darkness, or the fruitful works of light, Right? Understand what I'm saying? There's an agenda here. And uh, we have to be conscious of that and be careful. Um, and I know that there's a balance that you have to deal with here. But is what I'm listening to, what I'm watching, who and what I'm involved with, is it honoring the Lord or is it not honoring the Lord? Uh, the, the conversation, who I'm having it with and who I'm not having it with, is this going to pull me away from fellowship or to fellowship? So Paul reminds us of that in Ephesians. And then, of course, we don't have time, but if we, if we were to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 is where he gets into the whole spiritual warfare thing. So be careful of that. Be careful. And how, how do we know what's unfruitful? Well, God's given us the scriptures. If you're born again, you have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, you also have fellowship with other believers. That, you know, faithful, the Bible says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. So sometimes you and I, as a believer, we may be drifting off away from the things of God, and another brother or sister in Christ, she says, hey, you know, maybe you really ought to think that through. 
Uh, that's part of our responsibility as brothers and sisters. It's part of our responsibility with regards to fellowship. Um, you know, it's the old adage. Give me another example. My mother used to say this to me all the time. You are who you associate with. So whoever you're associating with, who, are they drawing you to or away from the things of God? Um, because fellowship, it's, it'll sustain us. Godly fellowship will sustain us. And we should be careful of this too, because we're running out of time, that part of fellowshipping with one another, both organized and outside of church, uh, part of it is socialization. But we should never let our fellowship, the socialization aspect of it, be, be paramount to the spiritual aspect of it. You know what, do you understand what I mean by that? Not allowing the socialization of our fellowshipping to trump uh, the spiritualization of it. So what do I mean by that? What, what do I mean by that? Socialization, because obviously fellowshipping is socialization, but it's also spiritualization as well. So what's the, what's the difference there? How could, how, could the, how could the one be the detriment to the other? Yes. Depends on where you're going to socialize. No. I, yes, you're right. But I'm, I'm, I'm meaning in the body of believers, but you know, I'm meaning in the local church, though. Oh, Lord, How could you and I, as believers, the socialization of it uh, begin to have an effect on the spiritualization of it? Yes, Frank. I think, uh, I think if you're socializing with people that don't know the Lord, they can draw you away from. The yes. That's true. That, we've talked about that. But I'm, talking about, I'm talking about now the idea that you're socializing with believers. You're not socializing with unbelievers. But how can that actually, what, what can transpire in that so that, remember the prime reason to spirit, for fellowship is, to, is, is spiritual. It's to magnify Christ. So, but how can believers even get away from, this has happened in churches, where, huh? You people would get together and they wouldn't really acknowledge the Lord in any way during their activity. They were just going. Yes. That was it. And then they get in the habit of not saying something to the Lord about, what they're doing. That's, yes, that's the, that's the point I'm trying to get at here. What Jim just said, that's exactly right. We're all of a sudden gathering together because mostly a social thing and there's no spiritual aspect of it. So for instance, we haven't done this, well, we did this, uh, we did do this last year. We're going to do it again in September. We're going to have a, we gathered to go camping last year, a bunch of us. So, but part of that, part of gathering, last year did it at Travis's, we're going to do it again at Travis's this year. Part of that gathering is to sit around a campfire. It's to cook and to drink too much coffee <laughs> and to watch the, sit by the fire. Um, but what else did we do? We sang hymns around the fire. We had a guest preacher come and preach to us. But you see how you can get away from that and all of a sudden now, well, we just gather and we have a camping trip. And is there anything wrong with going camping and having a camping trip? No, nothing. 
But as believers, we always, we should, especially on church-related things, there has to be an aspect of it that is spiritual. There are entire, there are entire denominations that, that at one time preached the Bible that very little preached the Bible and maybe don't even preach the Bible at all because it just became a place for people to come and a place to socialize. So that can happen. I'm not saying it's happening here in what we're doing, but I'm just saying that can happen. Is there anything wrong with, like guys like to talk about hunting and sports and fishing or whatever the thing might be? No, absolutely not. But, it, but what about the spiritual aspect of it? What about our time of fellowship? What about our, our time of gathering together either as men or ladies or as a group of believers to pray and to, to bring up prayer requests? And it's vital to sustaining our faith um, and doing that. And that was part of the early church and what they did. And then we're out of time. But lastly, the last point on this I'm going to give you today is our friendship is to be strengthened. Um, the early church was strengthened. We always need to do it through honesty. We do it through dependability. We do it through encouragement, through acceptance. One of the great verses in the Bible is Proverbs 27, 17. The Bible says, iron sharpeneth iron so that a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Well, there's another verse that says that a man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Of course, that's the Lord Jesus Christ. But anyhow, I just wanted to bring you this lesson this morning on fellowship and the importance of gathering together. And uh, not only is it important on a Sunday or Wednesday night, but other times that we meet and that we gather. These points that we made today. Let's pray. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you in a very real and powerful way. Thank you, as always, for, again, your goodness, your mercy, and your grace to us. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You could also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.